Um, I told Matt I would give this disclaimer. The views expressed by the guest preacher today are not necessarily those of the lead pastor of Love Chapel Hill. So. so I'm an old guy, so I might get politically incorrect today. So if I do, you just say, ah, he's just an old guy and just don't worry about it, okay? We're going to be in 1 John again. We are talking about letters to the future. And Matt wanted me to come back to chapter 1 and focus on uh, verse 7 this morning. So I'm going to read the context for us. It's uh, 1 John 1, uh, verse 5 through chapter 2, verse 2. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son purifies us from every sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. This is the Word of God, and we believe it. Spiritual growth is never supposed to stop in a person's life. As we live our lives for Christ, or better, as He lives His life out through us, we're always supposed to be moving forward, sometimes slowly, sometimes rapidly, but always forward. As we listen for guidance, He is faithful to lead us. As we obey His leading, we grow in wisdom and strength and favor with God. Humility is a key. Listening is a key. Obedience is a key. As he leads us into new territory in our spiritual life, we grow stronger, wiser, more effective, and deeper. Our spiritual life parallels our physical life. Stay active, keep learning, engage in new things, accomplish new skills, grab onto new ways of doing things, Look at things from a new perspective, keep going forward, and you grow. When you stop doing those things, when you stop growing, you begin to die. As we've been exploring the Christian life through this letter to the future from the Apostle John, I've been asked to return to that phrase in 1 John 1-7, walking in the light. And to explore it with you as it relates to our relationship with the Lord. 
Our human nature is such that we have a tendency to arrive. We arrive at a certain point, we just want to camp out there. We want to settle down. We've learned enough, we've seen enough, we're happy, we're satisfied with who we are and where we are, and we just want to stay there. If you're in a class in the university, you know the professors who haven't had an original thought in 20 years, and you know the ones who are always continuing to learn more about their field of study, staying current, on the cutting edge, even adding to the body of knowledge from what they are learning from their research, right? And you know which of those professors you prefer to have in a class. If you're a believer, you know the people who had a salvation experience one time as a child, but have never grown much beyond that. They have their fire insurance, and they are satisfied with that. But you also know people, and hopefully you're one of them, who are always growing stronger in their faith. They're always finding new ways to serve the Lord. They're living in an up-to-date joy, and they're bringing that joy and life and peace into all their relationships. It is possible to live just inside the lines, to find out just how much you can get away with, and how little you need to give to the effort and still keep the fire insurance in place. But it is perilous to live that way because it is a dangerous place to live. And it is a place from which you can make very little positive contribution. It is also possible to live life like you were designed to live it, in a meaningful, joyful, rewarding relationship with God that helps you become more and more like Christ and less and less like the person you used to be. That's a place from which you can make a major contribution to the cause of the kingdom and in the lives of the people all around you. John has captured that concept, that lifestyle, in a phrase, walking in the light. John speaks of our ongoing relationship with God as walking. We're familiar with that concept. Walking, it's how most of us get from here to there. When babies are born into our families, Walking is one of the early hallmarks of their growth. He took his first steps today. She pulled up on the couch and turned and let go and took three steps toward me today. For those who are blessed to be healthy and mobile, walking is something we do daily. In fact, we take it for granted. As you age, like me, it becomes more of a challenge. If you begin to lose that basic mode of getting from here to there, you realize what a blessing of, to be able to walk is. 
If you're blessed with the ability to walk, as most of us are, give a thought to our friends who have lost or are gradually losing that capacity through accident or aging or illness. They feel the loss, believe me. Regardless of our physical capacities or limitations in this area, spiritually, we can all walk with God. In our relationship with the Lord, walking is how we follow Him. It's how we live in fellowship with Him. It's how we develop our companionship with Him. It's how we get to know Him. And it is how we get to the places He wants us to go in our spiritual life. And we soon learn, if we're going to walk with Him, we have to walk with Him. He sets the pace. He sets the direction. He calls the starts and the stops. The walk is with Him. The Old Testament prophet asked this question, Can two walk together except they be in agreement? Spiritually speaking, our walk, our growth in righteousness, is done through a process of what the New Testament calls putting off and putting on. As we walk with Him, we put off certain habits, thought patterns, actions, and words that we discover are not like Him. And we learn to put on other habits, thought patterns, actions, and words that we discover are like Him. These can be attitudes, abilities, actions, activities, ambitions, that are either pleasing or not pleasing to the Lord. You know, you hear him say, watch your step here. You might want to step over there and don't step in that. We are called to put off things that are contrary to the character of Christ. Things like grudges, hatred, dishonesty, unfaithfulness, bad language. A spirit of materialism, stubbornness, laziness, impure thoughts, sexual immorality, or that other thing you know you should not be doing, but you are. That thing you thought of just now. We are called to put on things that are consistent with the character of Christ, Things like generosity, restitution, wholesome relationships in our families and among our friends, helping others, submission, devotion, sharing our faith, consistency, integrity, or that other thing you know you should be doing, but you aren't. That thing you thought of just now. Here's how it happens. The Lord deals with us one or two things at a time. He will prompt us, you need to start doing this. Or, you need to stop doing that. And in that season of our life, it will seem that we will run into that challenge around every corner. We'll be reading a magazine or watching TV 
and there it is. We'll be reading our Bibles or talking to a friend, and there it is. We'll be wanting to pray about one thing, but the Lord will continue to say to us, No, let's talk about this. And that is how he leads us forward in our relationship with him. As we walk, he will guide us in putting off things that are unnecessary or harmful and wrong, or wrong, things that are contrary to the character of Christ, and he will lead us in putting on things that are helpful and healthy and holy, things that are consistent with the character of Christ. Now, I have a little disclaimer for you. You will not be far into this walk before you realize that your put-off and put-on list is different than your friend's list. We walk at different paces. We have different affinities and addictions. We're not all at the same place at the same time. So my advice is focus on your walk and let the Lord take care of their walk. I mentioned addictions. We are all addiction inclined. We are wired to be people of habit. That originally was intended to be for our good. But the fall twisted that. And now it usually works in a powerful way against us. Let me say two things about that this morning. The depth of forgiveness in Christ goes deeper than the grip of addiction on our lives. And the power of his resurrection is greater than the power of addiction in your life. Praise the Lord. God will sanctify the power of addiction in your life and help you replace the bad habits with holy habits. So our relationship with God is described as walking by putting on and putting off. We walk at his pace, at his discretion, under his direction. But John goes on and qualifies that. He doesn't just talk about walking, but he talks about walking in the light. In Scripture, light is primarily understood as a characteristic of God. 1 John 1, 5 that we read, God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. According to the understanding of the Apostle John, light is good, darkness is evil. Light is often used to signify God's presence, the atmosphere in which he lives. Creation began with, let there be light. The skies lit up when Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Paul was knocked off his horse and into the kingdom by a blinding light. Hell is defined most precisely and terrifyingly as the one place in all existence where God's presence 
is absent. It's defined as the place of outer darkness. Even those great contemporary theologians, Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader, understand the moral qualities of light and darkness. Throughout the scripture, the concept of light is used to communicate the concept of holiness, godly knowledge, wisdom, honesty, openness, integrity, transparency. Whatever else it is, it's not darkness. And it is universally understood as being more powerful than the darkness. In fact, in his gospel account, when John is speaking of Jesus coming into the world, he writes in John 1, 4, and 5, In him was life, and the life was the light of humanity. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. So we should assume that if God is light, and that light is God's native atmosphere, it should be our native atmosphere as well. The darkness is not our friend. The light is we were made to live in the light. Now the interesting thing about the light, when it comes to us walking in it, is the light moves. If you can imagine with me this being a dark room with a focused spotlight. Whatever is in the range of the light emitted by that spotlight is in plain view. And there would be a circle on the floor where the light rays from that spotlight fall. Imagine stepping into that circle. That is the current reality of your spiritual life. You can see more than what is in the bright circle, but you can see the things that are in the circle most clearly. Imagine that the Lord wants to walk with you out of this place and on to Franklin Street. Imagine it's nighttime out there. He moves the light forward a bit, you step up into it. He moves the light forward a bit, you step up into it. Again, he moves the light forward a bit, you step up into it. As long as you step up into the light, you move forward in fellowship with him. You move forward in your Christian walk, you move forward in your grace, in your growth in grace and knowledge, you move forward toward your goal. Well, where is the light going? Well, we said it's going out to Franklin Street, but if you know God, he has a bigger plan underway than just getting you out onto the street. He's doing some wonderful things in your life as he moves you forward. And there is a goal. That goal is Christ-likeness. How did we say it a few minutes ago? Becoming more and more like Christ and less and less like the person I used to be. The light moves. Now imagine, what if I don't move with it? For a while. I'll still be in some light. I'll be in a gray area, but I'll still be able to see. 
you do know how defiant is disobedience, right? Your parents taught you that. I imagine they also helped you understand that delay is also disobedience. There will come a time if I don't step into the light, I will be back in the darkness again. In his faithful desire to have fellowship with me, God will send the light back around to intersect my pathway. But if I refuse to walk in it, I'll be in darkness. I was never intended to live in darkness. But that's where I'll be. And I won't be happy. If that is you this morning, then the Lord in his mercy has brought the light of his love and forgiveness back across your path this very moment. I invite you to jump back in and walk the path of joy and and fulfillment with the rest of us. We also know, given human nature, there are also those who will run ahead out of the light. It's like walking down Franklin Street with the Sons of Thunder, Luke and Sam. One will get a little ahead of the other, then that one needs to get ahead of that one, and before long, they're way ahead of us, and we're hollering, hey, hey, come back here. I don't really want to go down that trail this morning, except to say that those who run ahead run out of the light, just like those who stay behind. And they're the ones, so sure of their spiritual knowledge, who bring all kinds of strange and curious and off-the-wall claims and teachings into our lives. I would encourage you when you run into that, drag it out into the light, examine it. If it's contrary to the word, point at it, call it what it is, and walk away from it. So the light moves. As we move in it, we have fellowship with God and with each other, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all our sin. And that is the way you have a victorious, wonderful relationship with God and have power over sin in your life. If you walk faithfully, God leads faithfully. As God leads faithfully, you continue to walk faithfully. Will you ever trip and fall? I suppose in your physical life right now, as an accomplished walker of a good number of years, it could be possible that you could walk physically the rest of your life and never trip and fall. Really. You have the skills. You have the experience. You have the confidence. But you also have the past performance that predicts that it's unlikely that such a future result as never falling again as long as you live is going to happen for you. You're not likely to be a perfect performance walker. Like the rest of us, you are most likely going to fall. 
Whatever you do, please do not be the person who trips going up out of the aisle today and falls down on your face, okay? (laughs) Possibility and probability are two different things. Yes, it's possible that you might never trip and fall again in your life, but it's not very likely. Our poor performance goes against us, doesn't it? What do you do when you trip? I just try to play it off like I meant to. (laughs) Never works, but I always try. I remember when I was 14, I went with my parents and my sister to visit a family. And there happened to be a beautiful teenage girl in that family. And uh, so we had a nice visit, and we're getting ready to go. And we're out on their front porch. It's night, and we're getting ready to go. And I'm standing with my back to the house, just kind of leaning up on the house. And my dad says to me, the steps were off the side of the porch. He says, "Uh, Danny, don't step down there. Uh, The steps aren't there. Well, I knew the steps were. You know where this is going, right? So when I got his attention, I did this right here. He just gave me the look like, next time he looked over, I did this right here. Because I knew the steps came all the way over. And uh, the next time I got his attention, I did this right here. And I'm at the edge at that point. The conversation on the porch has stopped. And I do what dramatic 14-year-olds do. Ah! (laughs) It was funny to see the look on his face. Guess what? He was right. The steps didn't go all the way over to the house. And so as I'm laying in those people's shrubbery, I hear my dad saying, What is wrong with you? Oh, my. I don't remember ever seeing that girl again. (laughs) But given the fact of our fallen nature, the pun was fully intended there. And this fallen world, you will trip and fall flat on your face. You will likely get distracted and wander into some gray areas. You may get discouraged or be defeated and find yourself sitting dejected as the darkness closes in on you. When anything like that happens to you, respond according to the magnitude of the fall. Either get up and brush yourself off, laugh and continue walking, or sit up. And catch your breath, then get up and limp along for a while until it gets better. Or ask somebody to help you up and even walk along with you for a time. Or in drastic situations, call your spiritual 911, the Love Chapel Hill Rescue Squad, and let them help you get back your health and strength, and get back on your feet again. If you wander off into the darkness and want to find your way back, 
Get out your spiritual roadmap, your Bible, and the Lord will lead you faithfully back into the light and back onto the path and back into fellowship with Him. Follow the same kind of common sense things you do on campus. Do not walk alone. Walk with friends. You're never as safe as you think you are. And your enemy is like a roaring lion waiting to have you for lunch. But thank the Lord, the Lamb of God is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Walk with him. Your brothers and sisters in Christ are here for your encouragement and help. Walk with them. And you need to know if you were ever to be spiritually injured, and in such peril that you cannot move toward God, as your shepherd, he will leave the other sheep safely in the fold, and he will come looking for you, and he will not quit until he finds you. He will rescue you. He will take you in his strong arms. He will bind up your wounds. He will carry you safely back to the fold. He will bring healing to you and restore your ability to walk again so you can walk in fellowship with him and the rest of us. That's the kind of God he is, and that's how much he loves you and desires to have fellowship with you. Whatever you do, if you fall, don't just lay there and die. Humpty Dumpty, you know that guy? Sat on a wall. He's the guy that had the great fall. And all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. But soon the king himself heard about Humpty's fate. And he left his palace and entered into the rough and tumble life of his kingdom and searched up and down until he found Humpty Dumpty. He found him in a back alley, broken to pieces, scattered over the, over the ground. His life was broken. And the king said, Humpty, it is I, your king. I've come to put you back together again. But whether it was out of pride or shame or just too injured to respond, whatever it was, Humpty resisted the offer of the king. The king went away sadly, came back a week later. Humpty, it's me, your king. I've come to put you back together again. Humpty said, well, you know, I've talked to my therapist. And he said, one of these days I'll be able to pull myself together. That's a pun, too. That's funny. But right now, I'm doing pretty good coping with life as it is. I'm a realist. I deal with real life. You, you're, you're a cop-out. And the king said, but I can put you back together again. But Humpty refused. It was about a month later that the king came back. He said, Humpty, listen, I've got a better life for you than this. But Humpty says, you know, 
I kind of like it here. I'm getting used to how things are. I like where I am, that tin can over there, the way the sun sparkles on the broken glass. This must be the garden spot of the world. The king says, I assure you, my kingdom has much more beautiful things to offer than this back alley. There are majestic mountains, lush green valleys, exciting cities, rolling surf. But Humpty just wouldn't have anything to do with it. The king came back after a little while, said, Humpty, come on, I've come to help you. Humpty says, no. The king says, but don't you want to walk? And Humpty says, you know, if I get up and start walking, I'm going to have to stay up and keep walking. I'm not sure I'm ready for that level of commitment yet. It was over a year before the king ventured back to Humpty's side. But this time it was different. Humpty was ready. His ear heard the sure steady strides of the king. His eye rolled skyward to see that majestic figure walking toward him. His mouth managed the word, my king. And the king knelt in that broken glass and lovingly and carefully and with compassion, with tears running down his face, began to put Humpty back together again. And when he stood up, he raised up with him a strong, healthy young man. And they walked out of that back alley and began to explore all those beautiful things that the king had told Humpty about. And this went on forever. And to the length and breadth and height and depth of their friendship, there was no end. Humpty's heart was thrilled one day to overhear a conversation. His heart leaped with joy at the thought of his newfound friendship with the king and even the bitter memories of that old back alley when he heard someone ask, who are those two? And the other guy said, the one on the right, that's old Humpty Dumpty. I don't know the one on the left, but they sure look like brothers. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all our sin. It's for real. It's for now. And it's for you.